to the January 2012. That's right, it's a new year and a whole new collection of podcasts here from the Ordinary Means Table. I'm your host, Sean Nolan, with Matt Bowling. Hi, Sean. Hello, Matt Bowling. How are you? I am uh, relatively reasonable. I don't know if you guys have gotten this nasty cold in uh, in Pennsylvania, but occasionally you'll find me with my cough button on because I've had it for... That's right. Almost three weeks. Have you really? Has it has it become bronchitis yet? It has not. I'm really working hard not to have that. Although my uh, almost two year old was in bed at three o'clock this morning and decided to stay up for an hour, so uh, hopefully we won't wake up with bronchitis tomorrow. That would be bad. Wow. Okay. Well, you 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 sound okay. You got a voice. Uh, I do have a voice, and I feel okay for having gotten very little sleep. Okay. Well, and this is one of the reasons for. Our, our three listeners, you should know this is one of the reasons I told Matt to go to Seattle. I was sick of getting his colds. <laughs> so uh, so thanks for keeping that cold in Seattle. Uh, happy to. <laughs> well, today we want to continue this conversation we've been having about kids and the ordinary means or parenting the ordinary means. How do we, how do we get the word, the sacraments, prayer into our kids? And uh, we're going to use this month to talk a little bit about prayer. And really, I'm just started off with the, I think the first question we need to ask, I think it's a good question for us to think through. Um, and it may seem like a wild and crazy question to some of you listening, but it's, it's, I think where we need to start. And that is, should we even teach our kids to pray? Yes. Well, I see you, I know that. You know, oh, when we're going okay. through the, you and I are Presbyterian pastors, so we do right. that thing where we get little kids wet. We don't believe it saves them, none of that, but but it, you know, we do that, and, you know, we say we're including the kids in the covenant, okay? And, and we uh, actually vow to pray for them and with them. Absolutely, yes. I mean, we're, it, we're giving them to God, and, and, the, um, uh, and our, our Baptist friends, if you haven't heard our podcasts on... Baptists and Presbyterians together, uh, go go listen to those, and then you'll understand that we really do believe Baptists are our close, close friends. And, um, well, those those dear Baptist friends who, you know, aren't giving their kids a sign of the covenant uh, at the beginning, uh, they're also just as eager to see their children profess their faith as we are, uh, but they're also teaching their kids to pray. Mm-hmm. But but I think we got to take that step back, and we've got to say, but is that a good thing? Are we even the even the Baptists among us? Are we presuming something? Can you teach an unconverted child to pray? Why would you even try to teach? And the reason I bring this up too is this is where um, the answer to this question could take you in some very odd directions. And so it's good to know why you say yes or no to that question. You know, because if you say no, I shouldn't teach anybody who's unconverted to pray, then you're not going to teach your kids to pray, you're not going to teach your kids to read the Bible, and you're not going to, you're not going to consider them believers uh, in, any, in any form, even, even uh, possible believers. <laughs> I, don't know, I, I haven't seen a book. Have you seen a book, Kids as Seekers? I, I haven't. Uh, I haven't seen a book like that. I'm surprised. But that's if you're if you're going to answer no, if you're going to say you shouldn't teach an unbeliever to pray, um, kids either have to fall into this third group 
which is what the Presbyterians do, is that we say, well, kids are non-communing members of the church. They're not, they're not in full communion with Christ. They have not yet made a profession of faith. But, but they're, they do have a foot in the door. And, and we're gonna teach them to pray. And I think, functionally, Baptists do the same thing with dedication. Mm-hmm. With dedication, they say, okay, my kid now has a foot in the door. Now, the, then the, well, he's, got, he's, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he has special benefits. Yeah. Yeah. He's tasting of the heavenly gift. In the Hebrew I mean, it, sense. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, it, it is the Hebrew sense of here's, you know, we're giving you all these blessings simply because you're here. You're experiencing something of the blessings of Christ. Um, what you do with this, <laughs> where you go with this as you mature, is is the big question. Right. You know, we're looking for profession. Now, there's the, there is another extreme to this. And that's the folks who say, well, absolutely, we're going to teach our kids to pray because we're going to presume, you know, presumed regeneration. We're going to, we're going to presume they're regenerate until we see otherwise. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a very popular reformed position. Mm-hmm. So, so where well, do we, I, now, I, I don't want to just ask where do, where should we fall in that? But, <laughs> but why should we fall where we fall? In that. Can can we can we fall on some Latin? Go ahead. Uh, as Lex long as you translate. Lex, yeah, lex arandi, lex credendi, which is the idea. Um, the the concept is how you worship is how you believe. But we could say, uh, I mean, the the absolute translation is the law of prayer is the law of belief. Um, how you pray is frequently how you come to believe. Uh, in the sense of, um, I can teach a kid to pray, as I do, about his sins, about the gospel, about his idols, about unbelievers. And in praying with my kids every night, my wife or I praying with all of our kids every night, individually, um, they are learning Christianity by prayer and by having it modeled by us as we pray for them with them and as we pray with them for themselves. Um, and so in that sense, this is hyper crucial. Most parents, I think, miss this. They miss the uniqueness and the wonderfulness of their kids, uh, Lord willing, becoming disciples of Christ a lot of times by the way they pray with them. So this is no small thing. This is a crucial thing. Does this... My, my, I, su- I suspect that this, that these two things go together, but it's the same argument we use when somebody says to us, why do you catechize your kids? They don't understand any of that theology yet. Why are you putting questions and answers in their head that they don't understand? Wait till they understand and then teach them it. I- isn't this the same thing where, in, in, a sense, in a sense, our kids are sponges at this age? At a young age. Well, there's sponges and that while we don't deny, obviously, that the Holy Spirit's got to regenerate each and every kid. And that happens in a moment through the preaching of the gospel, right, to that kid, whether it's in a church service or in a family worship or in a discipline conversation after they've done something wrong or in bed at night. You know, that there's some point at which the Holy Spirit can regenerate this kid. 
and is going to take all this praying and all this catechizing and everything, and suddenly it's going to hit in a way that it never did before. And so it's a storehouse, if you will, um, that you're sort of building up in advance. That's the way I think about it. Well, that would be even our position on baptism, on infant baptism, uh, that at the point of conversion is where uh, that child fulfills or comes to comes to understand the significance of the promise made in their baptism well yeah and the the you know as the confessions put it that you know the the uh the grace being conferred is not tied is not tied to the time you know but it's still that the grace that is there uh gets conferred in, at regeneration you know and that that may be before the kids baptized it may be after the kids baptized you know but it's it's uh there's a genuine grace there and it's just up to God when and if he's going to apply it to that particular kid so going back to our question we we seem to be saying that the answer is we knew we'd come to this you know we knew that the answer to should we teach our kids to pray is yes um but how do we how do we go about doing that in a way that does not wrongly presume but it rightly uh, I'm trying to think of another P word provisions them with the you know with the with the skills I, I don't want to leave it at skills but with the skills the ability to pray that they will need so they're 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 in a sense we're asking if our children are unconverted if they've not yet been converted and we're teaching them to pray. We're asking them to learn a skill that they will not understand or comprehend the depth of or truly be able to do until uh, that conversion takes place. And and maybe I know some folks perhaps are going to comment on our blog and saying you're putting too much of an emphasis on conversion. Uh, but does God hear a non-Christian's prayers? Actually, a very interesting question. Um, obviously, he hears the prayer, I repent. Right? Mm-hmm. Here's that prayer. Yeah. And I guess we could say in, in some sense, um, you know, if we take the confession stance on good works, that each and every good work, a truly good work, takes a uh, an individual working of the Holy Spirit at that moment to do. So if we think about our kids and their praying, um, I, I think that every good work is prompted by the Holy Spirit. And so God certainly hears the good work uh, prayer of, I repent, you know, forgive my sins. I need Jesus desperately in the beginning of that lifestyle of repentance and faith. So God certainly hears that prayer. I think that there are a fair number of times that unbelievers pray that are not truly a good work prayer. Shoot, there are times that believers do that too. But, um, and I don't think that God uh, hears untrue prayers. So those are utterances directed towards God, but they're not ones he wants to hear because they're not, they're not uh, done in true faith in the name of his son. Uh, I'll frequently say in my public praying, not all people have this privilege. Of um, prayer. Not all people prayer. have the privilege of coming of boldly. The Father. Yeah. Yeah. They don't. The, the Father is interested in a prayer from them, 
He's interested in their trust. He's interested in their worship, but he's not interested in um, answering their prayers unless they're allied with him, unless they're trusting in the Son. I would be more comfortable saying, like you said, uh, God hears true prayers or Mm -hmm. good work prayers. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I would be more comfortable saying, God hears those. God hears all prayers that are directed to Him, because I think often what mm-hmm. we do is we mm-hmm. pray <laughs> to ourselves, like the publican in the temple. Yeah, we pray to ourselves. We pray to a false god. You know, we right. pray to, you know, and then there's a there's even a third sense in which because God is sovereign, God does hear all prayers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, he he. Here's the prayers of somebody who, you know, says, God, if you're out there, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, so the, that's not the issue. And it is right and good to pray. Mm-hmm. And it is right and good to pray to God. And it is, and I think this is where I want to go with this, because I think this is the this is the path we need to walk down if we're going to parent our kids in prayer, is that our kids do have a special privilege being born into the house of believers. Mm-hmm. And and that looks like this. It, it looks very much like what Abraham would have said. Uh, Abraham had two sons. Before his second son Isaac was born, Abraham prayed to God and he said, God, may Ishmael live before you. And God comes back and he says, Abraham, Ishmael will not live before me. It's one of those, I think we've mentioned this before, it's one of those few times in the Bible where God actually says, your child will not believe. You know, the other is Jacob and Esau. Okay. That's hard stuff. It it is hard stuff. Um, But here we go. Here's Abraham and he has this. And this is the marvelous thing, is then what does God tell Abraham to do? After he's told him, Ishmael will not live before you, or live before me, God tells Abraham to circumcise Ishmael. Anyhow. Anyhow. Right. And so... With the sign of blessing on him. Yes. So, you know, apart from the, the, the baptism connotations to that. What, mm-hmm. what we want to say is, you know, and, and I find myself at times saying this to my kids, um, maybe not this directly or this harshly, but as long as you are in my house, you will worship my God. Because this is my house and I will only allow my God to be worshipped here. Mm. You know, that's a very Old Testament uh, mm-hmm. patriarchal idea. It's not mm-hmm. something, well, not just Old Testament, that's a very biblical idea, but I think it's not something in our, um, in our wimpy culture <laughs> um, where everybody is deferring to everybody else. <coughs> it's not something, you, you and I were just having a conversation before we started recording about boldness. Uh, in fact, you had a term for it that we're, what, what did Jack Miller said? We've lost our spine. That's what you said. Yeah. That the reason God isn't using us is because we've lost our spine. 
Mm-hmm. That's from Jack Miller's Outgrowing the Ingrown Church. That's my summary. But yeah, I mean, yeah. he's that's he, well, basic, he one the, of his basic ideas. Does he use that? I don't remember because it's some years ago. I need to read it again. But okay. but there's there's no doubt that I walked away from reading that book, Outgrowing the Ingrown Church by Jack Miller. Timeless, even though it was written a long time ago. I mean, comparatively speaking. Um, but it's it, uh, very, very helpful. Oh, yeah. um, but one of the things is that one of the ways that God grew him and then used him exponentially was because he grew in boldness. And it's no surprise. I mean, Paul asked for boldness. Uh, it's something that we ought to. And seeing prayer then, teaching our kids to pray as an element of that boldness, mm. as an as an outflow of that boldness for Christ, mm-hmm. is is actually, because the Bible commands all men everywhere to worship God. Mm-hmm. And that is a command to all men. So there's a sense in which, as our children that are born to us, we now command them to worship Christ. Mm-hmm. Now they will understand. And we model it for them. We'll get to modeling. I mean, I'm modeling, okay. I mean, we may spend. My expectation is we'll spend next month on modeling because there's a lot we can say about modeling prayer to our kids. Mm-hmm. But just this idea of what I want to do with this podcast is lay this foundation of you must teach your kids to pray, and this is why. Mm-hmm. Because God is God. Why do you think some people don't teach their kids to pray, Sean? Apart from laziness. <laughs> okay. Um, apart from... I, I think part of it is that question we asked at the beginning. I think folks struggle with how much of a Christian is my child? Mm. You know, shouldn't I just, and you see this now, in, even in Christian parenting books, is this, you know, sort of let the child go with it. Um, you know, what's the uh, unschooling was the, was the, uh, the fad in the 70s? Mm-hmm. Where we're just going to kind of let our child learn in their own way. <laughs> we're not going to force them to read. We're not going to force them to do math. We're just going to let them learn it as they go. And of course, we know now. We know now. We knew then that that's just absolute idiocy. We, children learn with structure. Children thrive in structure. This is why God gives the Ten Commandments. Because we, That's why he gives the week of Sabbath. Yeah, yeah, we need structure. And so, you know, sco- schooling, whether, you know, you take the modern academic model of sitting in a classroom or you take the medieval model of learning under a mentor and learning under tutors in specific fields, whatever model you're going to take, um, you recognize that kids without structure don't learn. Um Kids without structure end up needing Ritalin. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's a lot of cases of Ritalin eating children, swallowing children, are simply kids without structure in their lives. And they, they need something to do, particularly boys, need, they, need a, they need a dragon to fight. And, um, and they're given so much freedom. You know, you wonder... Why I've, I've dealt with a number of parents recently who said to me, you know, "All my kid does is play video games," and and I say to them, "Well, do you give them anything else to do?" 
Um, like work around the house, chores, things like that. Yeah, I mean, do they have or or you know ask them, particularly once they get into high school? What do you want? I was just talking to a high schooler the, uh, yesterday. I said, so what? You know, what do you want to do with your life? And um, you know, and this kid said, well, I want to. I was I was monitoring a study hall. Okay, and this kid said to me, uh, this kid was had no work to do in the study hall. He had no work for other classes. I said, what do you want to do? He goes, well, I, I really want to be an archaeologist. I said, really? He goes, yeah, yeah, really, I do. I said, well, then you should be using your quote-unquote free time to begin moving in that direction. Study archaeology. Figure out what it's going to take. See if this is something you really want to do. You know, Rather than sitting here in the study hall board, use this time. Particularly now while you're young and you'll, you'll actually remember things that you learn now. Wait till you're older. You, you don't, the memory doesn't work the same anymore. Um, but see, we don't push our kids to grow up to be mature at the ages of 14, 15, 16. They have mm-hmm. this freedom, and so they're looking for a dragon to kill. And Call of Duty provides endless dragons. Yep. I'm sorry, I'm mixing my metaphors there. I should say Skyrim <laughs> uh, provides endless dragons. So Call of Duty provides endless um, uh, uh, warfare. You know, it gives it gives the kids something to aim at. Well, and I think it also provides um, not just you know. Maybe we'll throw one more in here. You've also got young men mm-hmm. um, post college. You know, up to forty, um, <laughs> very much. Um, we could even say addicted to video games, and these are people who've got careers and all this different kind of stuff, and they do it for a variety of reasons. But usually, it's built around identity that they can get an identity by by playing, by doing something virtual. Well, the interesting thing is that it's it is very game playing. I, I don't want to go off in this direction. Only I want I want to keep this close to what we're talking about, which is prayer. But um, I read a very interesting study that uh, the children who exhibit violence in schools are not, as it's been supposed, children who play violent video games, but rather they are the children who cannot play the violent video games as well as the other kids. And so there's a... Interesting. There is a social peer... Thing going on with video games today where, you know, it's the same thing with, you know, did you see that episode of fill in your favorite TV show around the water cooler? You know, it's, it's having an identity and a culture is awareness of ability to discuss certain topics, mm-hmm. whether that be a TV to show. To demonstrate your prowess or, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And so that's, I, I think that's a lot of what's going on there. But, but bringing it back to prayer, I think that, um, you know, part of that, uh, you know, going, going back to the, the question that you asked, um, part of it is that we're lazy, so we don't teach our kids to pray. Part of it is that we don't, we aren't really sure whether or not we should teach our kids to pray. We, we think it's a good thing, but we've never actually sat down like you. And this is why I wanted to spend this podcast on this topic is we, the, 
people have never actually sat down and said, well, why is it a good thing? Why should I teach my child to pray? And, and what I want us to see is that the reason is, is because God is God. Because he is the sovereign of the universe, and there is no one else to pray to but him. Mm. And, mm. and so the, there is now... Is worthy of it. He is wor- he's worthy of it. He commands us to do it. He is the only one who, who, um, who can answer prayer. <clears throat> yeah, I think there's one more factor, though. Okay. Um, well, I agree with what you just said. Absolutely. I think that a lot of times the reason we don't teach our kids to pray is because the parents themselves are not prayers. Well, see, that, that gets into that first step of method, of, which is modeling. Mm-hmm. You know, our kids. No, I'm saying it doesn't even it doesn't even occur to parents that this is something they should be teaching their kids because it doesn't occur to the parents that it's even a, a something that would be a dominant feature of their life. In other words, they're not praying. Yeah, yeah. Oh, without a doubt. So they're actually incapable of modeling it because they're not even over the methodology. They're not even believing themselves and living themselves as though prayer is a vital thing to their own spiritual life and to just handling life, period. So, you know, one of Matt's maxims, you know, you can't give away what you don't have. But the corollary is very important, too. You not only can't give away what you don't have, what you have, you're always giving away. And what scares me and what scared me a lot of times about my own parenting is that what I'm giving away is independence, not dependence. Mm. So the very fact that I'm not teaching my child to pray is teaching him to live independent of God and to rely on himself. Oh. To not seek help or aid or grace or the, or the Holy Spirit. Because, I, hey, I've gotten along just fine. You can get along just fine. Shape up. Come on. So there's no gospel. There's no prayer. There's no dependence. It's, it's a Christianity that is devoid of power in my life and in his and in, in, in my boys and my girl it's devoid of power in their lives too because i'm basically living an unempowered life because it's a prayerless life it's devoid of life yeah there is no life in a prayerless life right yeah jesus There's said i came that they like, might have life yeah and if we're not depending on that jesus um you know, I'm finding myself more and more talking to people who label themselves Christian and saying, I-, I think that there's only two options here. It's, you know, it's clear that you want to be a Christian, you want to identify yourself as a Christian, but you are either a very immature Christian or you are simply not a believer. You have never come to place your dependence on Christ. Hmm. Your dependence is somewhere else. It might be in your checkbook. <laughs> it might be in... Yourself. Yourself. I. There's so many things we could plug in there. Right. Um, yes, because prayer is a mark. We've done this. We've talked about this. Prayer is a mark of dependency. We pray because we don't have. We don't pray because we have. Um, and even even the a prayer of thankfulness, I think coming to God in thankfulness. And I, I want to. We'll get to this next month uh, when we talk about the ways that we can teach our kids to pray. But when we when we pray with thankfulness, what we're actually doing is teaching ourselves to depend even in the good times. 
Well put. And to recognize that the good times come from him. Yeah. Not that every, from ourselves. Every, every good gift comes from above. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think the other thing, too, is that you know, we're just in our Sunday school class teaching through The Pleasures of God by John Piper, which has been a very interesting study, very enjoyable, much recommended. Um, yeah, it's a good book. But one of... What's that? It's a good book. You doing the video? Yeah. No. Okay. Um, I'm live teaching through it. Okay. And um, the section I'm going to teach on sun- this coming Sunday um, is in a chapter on uh, God takes uh, the pleasure of God and the prayers of the upright. And, um, you know, Piper, in several of his books, um, talks about the fact that um, prayer is important because life is war. And I think that a lot of times the desperation of prayers in churches or in families um, does not reflect that. It reflects a peacetime mentality. Mm-hmm. We're, at peace, we're at peace with our own sinfulness. We're at peace with the family dynamic as it is. We're at peace with our unbelieving neighbors going to hell. Um, we're at peace with many things mm. that we shouldn't be. And so we're not fighting with prayer. And... Um, Anyways, so I, I think that that's a, a factor as well. Yeah, it's interesting how this conversation has gone because really that is the foundation of teaching our kids to pray is being prayers in the first place. It's the foundation, and we, I think we've said this over the past few months, it's the foundation of everything that we do as children. As you said, we are... Um, what was the term that you used? Uh, you didn't say mentoring. Uh, well, no. I mean, the basic idea is you, um, you can't give away what you don't have. Yes. And what you have, you're always giving away. So if you find your kids not praying, m- more than likely, um, if they're young children and they're still compliant and things like that, and you're not, you know, it's not a fractured relationship or something like that, it's because you that's not what marks the family that you lead if you're a man. Now, if you you said if you find your kids not praying, more often than not I isn't it wouldn't it be true that we would find if we're not praying, we're not going to notice our kids not praying. Mhm. Absolutely. So I'm trying to think of what the first question is we need to ask there. Obviously, it's, am I praying? Because you know, prayer is one of those things where if you don't do it, nobody will know. Yes, which is why it's easy for pastors to let slip. Mm-hmm. Because it's not something that anybody ever sees. Yeah. And so if no one's going to see it, and you're going to get judged on based on based judged in terms of how you're doing in your job based on what people see, then uh, you're going to do the things that people see. So, so what's, I'm trying to think what the question would be before, are my kids not praying? And maybe even before, am I praying? Maybe that is the question. Am I praying? Before we can ever teach our kids to pray, we've got to ask ourselves, am I praying? Before we can ever teach our kids to listen intently to a sermon, we have to ask the question, am I listening with understanding to sermons? Mm Mm-hmm. So that I have something to give away to them. So if you're in a situation where 
um, you know, a child struggling with sin and um, you're sitting down and you're trying to talk to them or whatever, does it occur to you to try and bully them into doing the right thing? Or does it occur to you to say, we really need to pray because my heart's just like yours. This is the kind of thing I do all the time, just in the grown up version. And this is just Ted Tripp. But, but it's taken on new relevance for me as I realize that I don't, help my kids turn to prayer as much as I would like them to because it doesn't occur to me to turn to prayer as much as I would like it to. So there's a correlation there. Do you think God placed uh, wives in the position of submission to teach kids independence? I'm sorry, to teach kids dependence. I've never thought about that question. I have never thought about that question either, but as you're saying this, I'm, I'm looking at the structure of the family, that the, the mother is often with the children the most in any culture. And so here is, here is a woman, and you think, you go back and you think of the great men, uh, you know, even of recent history, the Wesleys, you know, and how did they come to faith through, through this godly mother who depended and feminism in our society makes the person our children see most, the mom, independent. And so we're, we've actually inculcated into our culture a kind of independence. There are just so many things that are fighting against our prayers, are fighting against... Um, keeping us in that kind of dependence on God. So Matt, really the key to teaching our kids to pray, that foundation, if we're going to have that foundation where we are teaching them to pray, we're teaching them to pray because God is God and we're going to, we're boldly uh, saying to them, um, you must take God as your God. You must take Christ as your Savior. Um, then, then what we what we're trying to do is is teach them that dependence. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the foundation Absolutely. of teaching our kids to pray is dependence, both our own dependence and a belief that they need to be dependent on God. Absolutely, yeah. That's a, that's what we we have to give away to them. And of course, we can't give it away if we don't have it ourselves. And so, that really, if you're a, a, especially a father sitting out there going, Mike. Don't teach my kids to pray. Why is that? Uh, I think these guys have convinced me that that would be a good thing. Why would that be? You've got to do some just kind of some soul searching and say, well, maybe it's because I don't instinctively think about life through the grid of I'm dependent and I need prayer, and prayer is not what I turn to when I'm in need, or maybe I'm not even aware of my needs. I'm just kind of gliding through life, um, and I need to ask God even to show me my needs so that I can pray about them. And be a bit more in touch with what's really going on. Um, yeah, so that you have something to give away. Because the the very serious thing about parenting kids is that you're always giving to them what you already have. And you're either giving them something distorted or you're giving them something helpful. That's good. Well, let's plan on coming back next month and um, let's, put some, let's put some flesh on this. Let's uh, come back and talk about... Uh, what's this going to look like? How do I? Wh- what's the practical of teaching my kids to pray? Let's pr- let's assume I'm praying now. 
how now do I become, uh, do I bring my child into that prayer relationship with God? Um, that will be the topic next month. And until then, may the Lord richly bless you as you pursue him through his ordinary means. <laughs>